All right, so this morning we're going to um, take our scripture. We've been doing a series the last few weeks called God is Green, and uh, we've been going through different stories in the Bible and talking about how do we re-understand our relationship. You can, yeah, that's fine. I can just do that later. <laughs> you know, re-understanding our relationship to God and nature and all of creation. And this morning we're going to take a passage of scripture and we're going to practice uh, Lexio Divina, which we haven't done in a little while. So I thought, let's, let's, uh, let's practice some Lexio Divina this morning. And if you're like, Lexio what? Huh? I have no idea what this is. It is an ancient Christian spiritual practice from the third century. And it was, it's Origins go back to origin, and who uh, was a church father in the in the third century, and then it was picked up by the monastic traditions in the fourth century, and then you see it a lot uh, in Eastern Christianity, Western Christianity, kind of kicked it out a little bit, but it's a Christian contemplative practice that really understands Scripture not as something to be studied. You know, we we are really good at putting. Uh, scripture under a microscope, especially in our seminaries, especially in our Bible studies. In American Christianity, is really terrible, terrible at this. But they treated Scripture like something to be examined and studied and broken down scientifically. And Lexio Divina says, Scripture is something to be experienced. It's supposed to do something to us, something inside of us. And so what these first Christians started doing is they would take a small section and usually in a community setting, they would meditate on it. So they would read it, leave time for prayer, meditation, silence, and contemplation. And you do it a few times. And the, the purpose is to quiet yourself, listen to what God is doing in the story, but also what God is doing as it's working in your heart and life as you hear it. What is each time we read it? What is sticking out to you? What, what, usually there's a word or a phrase maybe that jumps out. So this morning we're going to read Matthew 11, 28 through 30. And I'll read it. You can read along. Uh, it's in the bulletin. And, or you can just close your eyes and just listen to the words, um, whatever your, your preference is this morning. And then I'll leave some time for silence. You can pray. And then I'll read it again. We'll do that three times. Sound good? Cool. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. And you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. 
Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. God, as we meditate on your word, uh, may your truth be heard this morning in the deepest places of our hearts, and may it change the way we experience your grace and the way we move in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, how was that? What did you, I'm just curious, what did you, what did you notice? Did any word or phrase pop out to you? Walk with me. Nice. Yeah. Unforced rhythms of grace. Yeah. That's great. Anything else that you noticed? Yeah. Yeah, so this is uh, translated by Eugene Peterson in the message. Uh, so what Eugene Peterson will often do is he'll take, um, he'll take the original Greek or the original Hebrew, um, he'll look at the language, but then he'll also usually put the context of where the verse comes in. So he'll, he'll flesh out what's happening kind of in the story and use that in his interpretation. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a phrase that stuck out to me, the, the burned out on religion one. Anything else? Yeah, well, so Lectio Divina is, uh, it's a practice that you can do by yourself, you know, to, to try to start hearing Scripture dif- a little bit differently and reading Scripture a little differently. I've talked about it before. I like to use uh, the message a lot of times because I think it kind of forces us to hear and read things slightly differently. 
maybe off-center so we can, you know, kind of come out. Especially if you've grown up in church, it can be really helpful because um, you might have done Bible drill or Bible study and you, you know, you think you kind of know what the thing is and then you hear it from the message and you're like, oh, okay, maybe there's a different way to read or listen to this, so... Uh, so this morning, I, I, I chose this verse because I want us to, as we're thinking about how we re-understand our relationship to God, each other, the environment, all of creation, uh, I, I want to be very specific that it doesn't become another burden. Does that make sense? It can very easily turn into, if we're talking about caring for the environment or all the environmental degradation that's going on, it can seem a tiny bit overwhelming. And I don't want anything that we talk about, uh, especially next week. Next week, we're going to have a candid conversation. No sermon. It's just going to be your questions and Bob and I up here flailing our best to facilitate how do we really tangibly um, move in the world differently. And so be preparing your questions. If you think about anything this week, write it down or type it in your phone, uh, because next week's just going to be a conversation about how do we move in the world given uh, these kind of three weeks. So that'll be, that'll be next week. That'll be fun. Um, but I don't want this to be, oh, I got like this whole list of things that I have to do because Ryan said so every Sunday, you know, God is green. So now I'm burdened by all this stuff. I want this to be a rhythm of grace in our lives. So as we're talking about affirming life, how do we re-understand our, our relationship with the world? I want it to be a natural process for, for us to learn a new rhythm of God's grace. All right, so that's, that's kind of why I chose this. So two weeks ago, you may have remembered, we talked about rhythms, rhythms of life, rhythms of creation. We talked about practicing active nonviolence in the world and how that is uh, a very Christian tradition of um, a posture towards all of creation. Then last week, we talked about the systems that we participate in, right? We're part of all of these systems in some way, shape, or form, and we need to rethink, perhaps, our system. And so this morning, we're going to be talking a little bit about renewal. How do we renew not only creation, but our own hearts, our own lives, in relationship to God and all creation? So, as we said, we are all a part of creation, not apart from creation. Uh, and a, being a Christian requires, in my opinion, a posture of nonviolent action towards the world, nonviolent response. We are part of systems that exist, but we are created to live in rhythm, in right relationship with God and everything. So, in order to rethink and recover our relationship to our planet, we need to renew our relationship to God, nature, each other, in order for future generations to have an opportunity at life. That was another word that stuck out to me when we were doing the Lexio Divina, is learn to live freely and lightly. So this morning we're going to talk about how do we affirm life? How do we really do this in affirm living? And how do we give with our lives, future generations, an opportunity to have that same opportunity at life? So this isn't uh, another thing to burden us with more to-do lists, but it's a challenge to consider the rhythms and systems that we all take part in. Pope Francis says, there can be no ecology without an adequate anthropology. The Bible has no place for tyrannical anthropocentrism, unconcerned for other creatures. This is often called an ecocentric worldview. So instead of uh, 
us as humans dominating creation or having a subject um, from our human. We have an ecocentric worldview that we are simply a part of. So we've been walking slowly through these rhythms and systems trying to re-understand our way in the world. Because I think it's impossible to change the way we live in the world unless we have deeply held values and ways of seeing ourselves in the world. I think it's impossible to change the way we live unless we have a deeply held value and change the way we see ourselves in the world. Joanna Macy says it like this. The actions we take and the structures we build mirror how we relate to the earth and each other. The actions we take and the structures we build mirror how we relate to the earth and each other. So this requires a shift in our perception of reality. The shift, I think, is happening now in our culture and in our faith. But it's a, it's a cognitive revolution, and it's a spiritual one. So I think we're being called out of a religion into a new form of simple grace. A grace in which God's people live at peace with all things. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I've set before you life and death, therefore choose life. So I want us today to just simply think on that phrase, choose life, choose life, affirm life. Think of a posture of Christian grace that simply chooses life. Um, there's this guy that I've, I've shown videos from him before at church. His name is Rob Greenfield. Has anybody heard of Rob Greenfield? Oh, and he's got a great YouTube channel, Facebook, but he does really, really wacky things. And I want us to watch this video because it's, it's great. Let me rewind and explain how I got here. My name is Rob Greenfield, and I'm an adventurer and an activist. Do you have a minute to talk about trash? Do you know where your trash goes? By chance? Do you know where your trash goes? Normally, I live a near-zero-waste life. But lately, people have been calling me the trash man, or the trash monster, trash former, or trash pronoun. I've been living just like the average American for the last month in New York City. Eating, shopping, consuming, just like so many of us are used to. With one big exception, I've been wearing every single piece of trash that I create everywhere I go. Now I know what you might be thinking. What about the smell? Well, I clean everything before wearing it. And don't worry, toilet paper goes down the toilet as usual. Now to the big question. Why am I doing something crazy like this? The average person in America creates about four and a half pounds of trash per day. That's 135 pounds a month. And most of us just toss it in the trash can and never think twice about it. And that's just one of us. I get it. Life is fast and we're all busy. So we keep shopping and consuming, creating more and more stuff we don't need. What's even crazier is that for every garbage can we put on the curb, 70 garbage cans worth of waste were made up the production line just to create that garbage in the first place. 
What we do actually see is just the tip of the trash iceberg. To make all this stuff, we cut down our forests, blow up our land, leak oil and pollutants into our oceans, release toxins into our air, and cause extinction of other species. Most of our waste ends up right in the landfill. Sadly, items that decompose in nature won't break down in the landfill, meaning they'll exist for thousands of years. You might be thinking that it would all be okay if we would just all recycle. True, recycling is a part of the solution, but sadly, it's the highly resource and energy intensive process. It's been hard enough just wearing my own trash for a month. Imagine how the planet feels serving as the trash suit for the entire human race. The good news is that all the trash that I'm wearing could have been avoided or kept from the landfill. All it takes is some simple changes in lifestyle, some planning ahead, and speaking up for what you believe. In Germany, people have even created zero waste supermarkets. I'm gonna stop using plastic bottles and plastic bags. I'm gonna tell my mom to stop buying them. I'm gonna stop using plastic straws. Millions of people are waking up and realizing our personal responsibility and that reducing our waste saves us money and allows us to live a happier, healthier, and more sustainable life. Uh, Rob is great. He's so, he's so funny. He's, uh, he's done a bunch of crazy things. Like He's done a, a bike trip where he rode his bike across the U.S. Uh, only eating out of dumpsters the whole way. So he just caught, he, he likes to cause uh, media attention to certain aspects of our systems that we talked about. Um, that it doesn't have to be this way. So we throw away tons of good food from supermarkets that expire or they can't, they bring in new food and they just throw it in the dumpster. They don't have any system to give that food away. So he lived off of dumpster diving and rode his bike all the way across the U.S. So he's great. You can check out his YouTube channel. But we need to think, I show him because we need to think about creative ways to affirm life. How do we actually affirm life in 2018? Father John Deere, who is phenomenal. I've never read this guy, Father John Deere, uh, New Mexican uh, activist and Catholic priest. Uh, phenomenal writer. I've been reading his book, uh, They Will Inherit the Earth. I highly, highly recommend it. And he says in this book, to be a hopeful person, you have to go to the edge of despair. Since the 1950s, around 8.3 billion tons of plastic has been produced worldwide. 8.3 billion tons of plastic. Uh, did you know every piece of plastic that's ever been created still exists? All of it. Every piece of plastic that's ever been created still exists. A million plastic bottles are uh, bought around the world every minute. Every minute, a million plastic bottles. Uh, and I drink bottled water from time to time. So uh, <laughs> Andrea is, I think, in the kids' room. But uh, <laughs> one of the first times, so we, we've known each other for a long time, and then we started dating after college. And I remember the, one of the first times that we hung out, she was like, oh, can I, I was just over at her parents' house. She was like, can I get you a bottle of water? I was like, no. I was like offended. She was like, God, why are you so offended? I was like, I don't drink bottled water. I take care of the environment. Or I didn't say it like that, but, you know. <laughs> That, I, she inferred that, uh, and we, la we joke about that story because uh, she was kind of like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I was like, I'll I only drink tap water, all right? Give me some tap water, baby. 
Yeah, that's a funny story. That has no purpose, really. But plastic is killing more than one million seabirds and animals every year. Plastic is killing one million seabirds and animals. Don't Google that either. I Googled it, and it's really depressing to Google plastic killing uh, animals. So uh, if you want to be depressed, then you can do that. Uh, In order to be a hopeful person, you have to go to the edge of despair. Joanna Macy uh, talks about this transition that we're talking about, this transition from rhythms and systems of life into renewal and a new way way of understanding how to be a Christian in the world is called a transition from the industrial growth society into a life-sustaining society. So right now we participate in this massive complex of consumption and consumerism and production. And she says there's an opportunity, and it's happening right now, where we can actually switch and start living and creating a life-sustaining society. At Mission Hills, every week we end with our benediction, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest. So how do we live life to the fullest and and affirm the importance of life every week? How do we really affirm the importance of life every week? So moving from a spirit of gratitude for life that we've been given, we are called into an ever-deepening appreciation for life. All of its complexity, all of its mystery, And this work involves recognizing pain, suffering, grief, and and then moving into a nonviolent response to bring new forms of life into those spaces of the industrial growth society, into those spaces of consumerism and capitalism. And we do this through through the Christian practice of nonviolence. Uh, We also recognize that those who suffer the most often from our our waste and environmental degradation are the poor worldwide. Those are the most vulnerable. And when we harm the environment, who we're harming the most is the vulnerable and the poor that live on the margins of society. They're the ones that feel the effects of environmental degradation first. So as Christians... What is our response whenever we, uh, we use trash like this or we do a number of other things in the way we move on our being in the world that we are affecting the poor and most vulnerable? Our systems of production and consumption put the poor at risk, not only put them at risk, but often directly harm them. Uh, I had a piece here that I was going to read from uh, John Deere's book, but we're, we're really running late on time. So um, I'll just recommend again uh, that book. If you're looking for a, a good short read, John Deere's They Will Inherit the Earth is a great little book about how to re-understand Christian nonviolence, but particularly in regards to climate change. So... How do we affirm life, especially if we're Christians, we're thinking about the life of Jesus, how does this, what does this have to do with Jesus and, and being a Christian? And I think a good place to uh, root this is in the incarnation. The incarnation of Jesus is a fundamental component of, uh, of understanding who Jesus is and who, how our relationship with Jesus works. Um, incarnation, there's a, a great 
Another translation from the message, Laura. But I'm going to read uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, John 1.14 from the message. He says, The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus lives in our neighborhood. I love that. Um, there's actually a book, I talked about it last week, called God is Green by a guy um, who's a professor at CSUN, lives in North Hollywood. And he has this bit in his book about uh, incarnational spirituality, how, how Jesus um, living in the world, putting on flesh and blood, moving into the neighborhood, that changes how we, we interact with our environment. It says, deep incarnationalism, the understanding of the incarnation of Jesus, creates a bond with green culture. The more central that the incarnated Christ becomes, the more sacramental nature becomes to the focus of spiritual practice and a reverence of life. So the more central the incarnated Christ becomes, the more sacramental nature becomes to the focus of spiritual practice and a reverence of life. Do we have a reverence for life? I don't know if I would think of my relationship with the environment as one of reverence. Do we have the same kind of reverence for everything in the created world as we do for for God? Through God's creative work, the Christian tradition calls us to understand that there's a sanctity to life, that we should have a reverence for all of life, that God has given everything and every person this life. So when we move from an understanding of the industrial growth society to one of life-sustaining, we don't distinguish any longer the relationship between humans and animals and humans and humans. We have the same posture and relationship to all things. Reintegrating an understanding that God created life 13.8 billion years ago, created this thing that then 13 billion later, we find ourselves here living. How do our actions matter in the world? How do we affirm life with just the basic response of trash or the way we drive? How can we continue to journey as Christians from positions within the system? Andrea and I were hiking in Topanga uh, Canyon last week, and uh, they have some they have some little plaques out there that kind of talk about the formation of Topanga. And I learned that the rock formations, a lot of the rock formations in Topanga, some of the really grand ones, are actually boulders that came from Arizona on ancient uh, river pathways. This is crazy how life creates, you know, for so long what we see and experience today. Um, so as we are people thinking, we live in an urban area, right? We're thinking of how... Um, we should live and move in the world. Uh, you know, you might want to just, like, pack up, sell your things, and, like, you know, move to Montana or something like that and become a monk. That's fine. Like, good on you. I'll come visit you. Um, but it's important to understand how we can re- integrate these understandings and these practices for a life that says, you know, hey, what, we're, we're a part of this. We live in a city. We live in one of the most polluted cities in the nation, um, we're not probably going to leave anytime soon. So how do we re-understand the way we're living in the city that we find ourselves in? I want us to think about this movement in terms of how we care for the environment. Personally, obviously, communally, globally. We talked about um, the solar panels. We've had every light bulb changed. Um, 
on our property. And in some ways, we're, we're kind of beyond um, changing our light bulbs. Like, we need an ecological revolution, right? I mean, changing your light bulbs is great, but we need an ecological revolution and connect, reconnection with the earth and the created world. Uh, and I think Christians are positioned in such a great place to lead this movement. Joanna Macy, who I've also been reading lately, um, she says, the agricultural revolution took centuries, the industrial revolution took generations, but the ecological revolution has to happen in a matter of a few years. She's hopeful, as she sees so many Christians participating in this ecological revolution, that one, our actions would slow the damage to the earth and its beings. Two, analyze and then transform of the foundations of our common life together as Christians. And then three, be a fundamental shift in the worldview and values of not just Christians, but all people. Ecocentrism, re-understanding our relationship to all things. Uh, The task of renewing earth, she says, belongs to earth, just as the task of the renewal of any organism takes place from within. We humans have a special role a leading role in this renewal. Just as we had a dominant role in the devastation, we can fulfill this role if we move our basic life orientation from a dominant anthropocentrism, I can never say anthropocentrism, anthropocentrism, all right, to a dominant ecocentrism. I can say that one. She says we should listen to the stars the sun, the moon, the mountains, the plains, the forests, the rivers, the seas, the meadows, the flowering grasses, the songbirds, the insects, listen to their music in the evening, in the early hours of night. We need to experience, to feel, to see, to taste the myriad of all of creation that's caught up in the celebration of life. The celebration of life. How do we have reverence? How do we celebrate life? How do we affirm life as Christians? In closing, um, so short on time. Sorry, I didn't realize this would be this long. I have way too many notes. Um, may we realize that we are called by God away from the industrial growth society and into a life-sustaining society. That this is a movement of grace, of simplicity, of you are loved and creation is loved without having to do anything. How does this posture of grace contribute to the renewal of all things? That God is already working in you and in me, moving us in this grace and gratitude for life, reverence of life, affirmation of life, celebration of life. So this morning, community, may we be moved by grace. May we, may we be moved by a gratitude in Christ to renew our spirit, our actions, and our planet. Amen.